the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Why, hello there. Welcome back. It is the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 719. That is Siete Uno Noche, I think, right? That's what nine is, or Noches, or Noche. I think it's Noche, or Nueve. No, it's Nueve, not Noche. Noche means night, doesn't it? Damn, I got that one wrong. Let me go back for the start. Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show, episode number 719. That is Siete Uno Nueve. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you right now in my life, listening to me as I'm rambling into deep space. Thank you for joining me. Always appreciated. Always appreciated. Never expected. Thank you so much. How have I been? I've been fairly decent. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit excited this week because I did put in a pretty big book order in. Um, I'm planning to read all of these books in the what? before the end of november basically i've ordered a ton of autobiographies i've got the elon musk autobiography coming in i've got the arnold schwarzenegger autobiography coming in i've got the julia fox autobiography coming in and most importantly i've got the britney spears autobiography coming in so i'm going to be reading four very different, very hard-hitting, very illuminating, very eye-opening autobiographies from four very, very different people, but I'm hoping to learn some bits and bobs from it. From the stuff I've been able to glean online, um, all the books are fairly upfront and honest, I think to a fault, which is great on autobiography. You don't want the person to always, you know, be painting themselves out to be the hero of their own narrative. And they always are, you know, they always come out just and, you know, um, vindicated in everything that they do. Some of the things they just present as cold hard facts and you as the reader are kind of put in a position where you have to kind of make your own mind up. And I think the best example of that is the Elon Musk autobiography. From what I can glean online, People are basically saying that it's quite a tragic story. I'm reading the Elon Musk autobiography because it starts off as this really big sort of like heart, raw, no, rah, rah, sort of like celebration of this amazing guy that does so many amazing things and has his fingers in different pies and is operating on so many different levels and is super intelligent and is trying to push humanity forward and blah, 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 blah. And then it kind of divulges into like, you know, him having his breakdowns, you know, his poor personal relationships, um, the weirdness of his family, um, interpersonal relationships, his direct family, the stuff going on with Grimes, his children. It gets really, cra- it gets really crazy. So I'm really looking forward to reading that because I feel like those are usually the best autobiographies anyway, because you get to see the good and the bad in people. And then you get to kind of, you know, pull any lessons that you can apply to your own life, um, from those sort of stories. And you also get to see that you know not everybody's shit doesn't stink and we all try to basically make the best out of the situation or out of the cards that we're kind of really dealt with so i'm really looking forward to dealing with those and getting through those throughout the month of flipping november october or well, october and november um like i said elon musk autobiography um arnold schwarzenegger autobiography julia fox autobiography and then the britney spears one so all four will be dropping later on today and i cannot wait to read them 
cannot wait to get into them um i'm gonna have to do a lot of changing of my lifestyle in terms of um allowing me the ability to concentrate and read them because i've noticed over the years since i've kind of stopped reading as much as i was before because this was kind of the standards for me i'd get through like five books a month and that was like cover to cover not missing anything no audiobooks included even with audiobooks included there were some months where i could read up to 10 books because i was banging through audiobooks going to work and i think to be fair as well if i'm being honest it's no coincidence that the times when I was banging out the many books that I was banging out, my personal relationships weren't the greatest and I didn't have the greatest time at work. Because if you think about it, I'd be reading a book a day or I'd be, no, sorry, I'd be reading a book every single day. I'd be reading on the way to work. I'd be reading on the way to like the station to my actual office itself. At lunchtime, I'd remove myself from people, isolate myself to read again. Or I'll be listening to the, an audiobook to kind of top, like another audiobook to kind of like, you know, to kind of keep me kind of going. And on the way home, the same thing. So more than likely, I was very precious and very, um, obsessive with my time. I didn't let anybody intrude. I, I wasn't really somebody that was, um, okay with spontaneity. I didn't go with the flow. And if you know anything about working, especially in the Western world, you know, you would like it to be a place where people are kind of noticing you and giving you a lot of respect and a lot of credence because of the quality of your work. But really and truly in a corporate workspace, startups, wherever you work in, even if you're working in a flipping shop, you would know that it's way more important how you get on with your actual colleagues and the bosses as opposed to how good you are at your job. Yes, of course, you can't be a complete dummy dumb, but as long as you are somewhat competent at what you do and you're not a complete redact, as long as you are able to have some friends in the office, you have your back, it can really go a long way in terms of protecting you. And it's something that I've kind of struggled with from the beginning of my working life. I've always had an inability to kind of acquiesce and play that role. I sometimes view it as me surrendering or, you know, or like kowtowing or bowing or whatever it may be or bending in the knee which it obviously isn't that's obviously an element of pride that's obviously part of my ego that's unable to sort of play the second fiddle be a part of a group all that sort of stuff I know but it's something that I've definitely seen has been an issue and I can honestly say that period in time where I felt like I was at my intellectual best I was reading the most I was you know trying to do a lot of things which kind of fall into the self-improvement, self-actualization realm, my personal relationships are really, really suffering. So I'm hoping this time around, I can find a balance. So maybe not to not spend so much time on Twitter, not spend so much time on social and the internet as possible, and then spend the free time that I have available, not watching random TV series like Breaking Bad or fucking The Walking Dead like I did the other day, and just commit myself to reading and I'll be perfectly fine. But I can't let it go too overboard because when I did let it go overboard, you know, I was getting in trouble at work. People don't, people weren't liking me and my person. I wasn't even getting in trouble for, for not doing the work. I was just more getting, I was just more annoying people. I was winding people up because I, I guess I came across a little bit obnoxious. I came across a little bit insufferable. I came across like I know it all, you know, like it was a little bit of an, a bit annoying. And I think I maybe purposely lent into that also because I wanted to make myself appear to be like some sort of, you know, public intellectual or some sort of nonsense i don't know what i was going through it was nonsense but this time around i want to find some balance because you know the truth is i do enjoy reading i probably enjoy reading way more than i enjoy watching movies which is odd to say but it is the way that i'm wired it is the way that i'm wired so moving on let's get into the show and let's not waste any more time the first thing i want to recommend here before we start this show is some music i've been listening to len for a while now 
um, he kind of stumbled across or I kind of found him on my timeline because of the single he dropped, which was a bit of a viral hit online called Addiction. And at the time, and I still maintain now, Addiction might be the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. Like legitimately, like I was like, what the fuck is this? This is fucking awful. These new kids coming up are garbage. They don't know how to write songs. What is this rapping cadence? What is this beat? What is he talking about? Like it was awful. And then I saw the video, I was like, bloody old bath, innit? So cringy, so corny. I didn't like it at all. I, I thought it was absolutely trash. But there has to be said, this is something that I think doesn't happen often enough. Sometimes with artists, they can drop an album that's horrible, but you like their singles and vice versa. They can drop a single that you don't like, but the album's solid. So I didn't pay that, that single too much mind. If anything, I thought he was a bit of a meme. I didn't really think it was a serious thing. Then out of nowhere, Legoland drops, um, his album that dropped this year. And suddenly the entire album is definitely to my taste to the point where that's been my like go-to album that I've been playing when I've been ever I've been in the gym. And just recently he dropped the deluxe version of Legoland and the deluxe version legitimately might have five of the best tracks he's actually ever put out. Even including the stuff that he's put out on his actual main, main album. I honestly do think the deluxe version, the five tracks on there, you could easily say they are sometimes even better than some of the singles that are the first five tracks of the, of the original or the kind of quote unquote normal album. So this is to say that sometimes an artist can put out a song that you don't like, that you think is trash, but you should always keep your ear open just in case they put something else out in the future that will tickle your fancy. But. One of my favorite tracks to come out of this, and I'm going to play two. One of the play favorite tracks to come out of this is the one on Legoland, specifically, called Haterade. Because it probably speaks to me and people like me who probably weren't fans of Len when he first started. Especially when your first introduction to him is that strong addiction, which I still maintain is the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. But legitimately, Haterade is such a great way to kind of answer your critics' um, reservations and do it in a swaggy, artistic way, without coming across like you're mad, without coming across like you're angry, without coming across like you're bitter or whatever. It's just a cool, swaggy way to sort of answer your critics and let them know that you're really about this life. And I'm going to play a little bit for you now. Obviously, if you listen to the audio side of the pod, you'll hear the tune. If you're watching the video, unfortunately, I'll have to mute this section out. But if you want to hear it, the album is called Legoland. It's by an artist called Len, which is spelled L-E-N. And the track that I'm playing is track six called Haterade. Let's go. Yo, look at where you at. That's one man. Listen, I got so many haters. I got so many niggas. I just upset. They just want to know what I got. And it's like, there's no point. Listen. What is he on? Who is he fucking? Hey, he's not that good. He's got to be lucky. Hey, his songs are cool. They got no substance. Hey. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't want to be him. Tell me why I want to be him. He shares the music. He shares the music. Make him noise as well. Hey, let's go. What? What? Where? What? What? Hey! He thinks he's too cool, man. I don't know why he's popping right now. Big man, think like this guy is actually shit, bro. Like he's actually shit. He's not saying anything. 
Anyway, that's one of my favorite tracks, right? Honestly, so fucking hard. I love Haterade. But then one of my favorite tracks from the Deluxe, from the Deluxe, that might be one of my favorite tracks overall now, from Deluxe album, is this one I'm going to play for you now. It features a young lady. Let me get up for you now. And it's absolutely harder than hard. Where is it? It's at the, there you go. Can you slash network anthem? Track number 19 on the Deluxe. God damn it. Featuring a person called Dealer absolutely harder than hard let's go hey 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 Touch your toes. Mm, 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 mm. Honestly, some of the ad libs are so fucking good, bro. He's he's an interesting artist, to be fair, because he he's like the youngest, oldest looking guy in the world. He's got like a face like he's thirty five, but then he's got the charisma, the artistic flair, the creativity of somebody well well young that's tapped in, that knows their references. Um, that's got musical kind of, you know, background, taste, whatever it may be, all that stuff going on. It's just, it's a really interesting concoction to be fair, but I'm liking the approach. Um, I saw clips of him performing live at some places, um, around the UK, which looked bl- bloody cool. A couple of them were sold out. So big up him. Um, I like that approach from these kids coming up, man. They're not just concentrating on just being, you know, um, I don't know, online sensations. They're taking their music to the people. They're touching them as they go around, pause and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. They're performing in front of live audiences. They're sort of perfecting their craft. Um, they're understanding how to perform their songs properly and all this malarkey and all this good stuff. So you're hoping as they progress, they're going to start sharpening themselves as artists and then by the time they actually put out a major sort of like debut album with maybe record label backing and more money behind it more more resources it's going to sound absolutely fire so i'm really looking forward to seeing how far these guys are going but the potential is scary let's not lie the potential is scary because these kids are doing this stuff like on their ones you know just with friends and stuff on a pure vibe thing and it sounds the way it sounds now the potential is scary like these guys ceiling is going to be absolutely incredible so i'm liking what i'm seeing and i'm also liking the fact that a lot of, i think when I, when it was the uk i don't have to describe it so uk music for a while felt like to me there was a real distinction between guys and girls that could like freestyle well and guys and girls who could like 
be artists because I think coming from the grime scene, there's a lot of people that I, I rate as MCs and rappers who are amazing freestylers, who are amazing on sets and stuff randomly online, but they couldn't make an album to save their life. One of the best examples for me, and it kind of hurts me to say this because he's one of my favorite MCs of all time, is DWE. DWE is an sensational, one of the best to ever do it, to ever fucking touch a microphone. But when it comes to putting a cohesive, coherent, um, you know, thematic tight album together it just doesn't work you know what i mean it just doesn't it just sounds weird so i don't know what it is about that generation of artists but i feel like nowadays a lot of the kids coming up maybe it's because they're trying to emulate a lot of their sort of like us peers they are more preferring to be a well-rounded artist which goes a long way and then because the uk we have a you know we have a history of live music we also have a history of like radio so a lot of the kids coming up have had access and have listened to other genres outside of rap. So I think that's why our version of whatever they have in the US is far more like, like for instance, like a Lancey Foe, I feel like is a way more interesting artist to sort of follow in terms of his musical journey, as opposed to like, let's say a Destroy Lonely or like a Ken Carson. Per, for me personally, as great as I like Ken Carson, Destroy Lonely, I feel like Lancey Foe, just because of the, like, just because he's from here, and he's had experience of growing up here and listening to the music that we listened to growing up. He's had more exposure to different sort of music, different sort of cultures, different sort of sounds, whatever it may be. So that would influence his music. Whereas in the US, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more, you know, it's all kind of self-contained. The rappers only listen to the other rappers. You know, they kind of deem music that's outside of rap to be white people music, which is weird. Whereas here in the UK, we listen to fucking everything. That's why it influences what we do. And so when we put it out, it kind of has a little bit more um, worldly vibe to it. It sounds like it has more depth to it and just more range. And obviously the artists, I feel like, have a higher ceiling. So I'm really interested to see how far this Len kid goes because the potential is scary. The potential is scary. But yeah, check out Len. Really good artist coming up. I really did enjoy that project. Anyway, moving on and talking about kids and stuff, um, there's been a topic and of discussion online with some people regarding whether or not college is worth it. And I guess college meaning university. And my initial reaction to this debate is that I'm one of those people who I practice the philosophy of always doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing. So if everybody now is kind of, you know, going and cheering on and using this mantra of like college is a waste of time. I didn't learn anything in college. I learned everything through YouTube, blah, 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 blah. I would actually do the opposite if that was me. And if I was a kid and I was coming up someone or if someone asked me for advice, I'd actually say instead of dropping out, instead of not going to college, actually go to college either for the education, either for the job prospects or to obviously for the self building whatever it may be like maturities type of thing going on so where you get to you know meet different people you get to grow up a little bit you get to live on your own you have to figure out how to balance your bills um how to get a job how to make money whatever it is all those things are quite important so if it's me and i was that person i would say go to college just for that thing and just to do the opposite of what everyone else is doing because everyone else is kind of trying to do the whole social media making it on my own doing my own business um online content sort of thing and it's a little bit overcrowded. And if anything, I feel like you'd be, you'd be a far better person to follow online, even if you did want to do it. If you did want to start vlogging, you wanted to start being a content creator, a live streamer, I feel like you'll be a well more rounded, a far more interesting person to follow if you actually had other things going on outside of just making content. 
because I feel like a lot of these people online are a little bit dense. They're a little bit one dimensional because they don't really have much going on apart from their streaming room, apart from what they see on the internet. They don't really live a really interesting life. So I feel like living an interesting life, doing cool, interesting things, um, seeing different people, hearing different stories will definitely inform the, the things that you do and will most likely make you a well-rounded human in the end personally for me but anyway the debate um centers around this um article that i read courtesy of freddie the boss substack the title is the college um the, the is college worth it conversation doesn't mean much without a sense of what teenagers will do instead so we're going to scroll down and read the article here quickly it says here there's a debate going on currently regarding the significant decline in faith in whether college is worth the course um the cost sorry particularly among young people Here's Paul Tuff with a case for the prosecution and here's David Deming with a case for the defence. Swelling around in the usual question of whether these various quantitative benefits are caused by getting a degree or whether they simply reflect the selection effects of those who self um, saw into college, people who can and do go to college are people who tend to enjoy all numbers of advantages over those who don't. This is an important debate, given that, for example, people with degrees enjoy not just a wage and employment premium, but a significant higher lifespan than those without. There's a lot of literature out there which you can which you can peruse if you'd like. So that's a really good point to make that most people that get degrees usually have higher wage um, abilities and obviously they are able to get far better jobs it's just on average type of thing that happens which makes complete sense because there is only a small number of people there is a there is a way smaller number of people that go to college all the way through and graduate than there's people who drop out and just decide to go to work so it just increases your ability to make more money and get a better job anyway um it continues here those of you who've read my brilliantly eye-opening majestic first book, I know that I do indeed think we are pushing too many people into college pipeline, but my resistance in it's little um, different than most. It's not that the reflection of the cost of college, at least not for the students. I think, A, we push so many people into college because the Reagan, Thatcher, neoliberal consensus destroyed middle-class jobs in an industry and manufacturing, and we don't have many alternatives. And B, we shouldn't push kids into college because most of those who have to be pushed will prove to lack the cognitive and soft skills necessary for them to capitalize on their degrees anyway when people obsess over the college pipeline they do so because they think that college can turn everybody into a busy little um, meritocrat and the kind who go on to jobs like google or slack or the ford foundation or the department of interior but the high college excellence to college to inviolable pmc employment cycle depends on a level of natural intellectual talent plus the ability to delay gratification and keep to a schedule that many people don't have so we need other models and in the book i explore some and it's something that i think is very very important because i feel like nowadays the whole content generation run the whole trying to make it to be an influencer doing on your own i've always thought in my personal opinion it's never required you to quit completely one avenue of kind of employment you can do them in tandem you can work a full-time job like i do and also do the content on the side and then whenever the content kicks off you can then maybe decrease your hours of work or quit completely but the idea that you to throw everything into just doing that one thing all the eggs in one basket is crazy especially when you consider the level of competition that exists out there it just doesn't make any viable sense and for me personally outside of that sort of like oh be careful precaution side of things i just feel like as a content creator or somebody that wants to make something of themselves outside of the regular 
you know, um, industrial complex of jobs, whatever it may be, you have to make yourself a far better option than the others are out there. And I think the options that you add to yourself are the ones where you have a varied and interesting working experience. You have a varied and unique life experience in terms of your family, relationships. You have a unique view on the world. But I think all of these things are greatly influenced by the things that you do away from your phone like real life like where you go to school where you live who you talk to the place that you travel all these things inform those sort of decisions so if anything if you actually want to go you know balls deep and put all your eggs in one basket on the content vibes you're obviously you're probably i feel like better off just doing a college degree just for the sake of it even if it's a social studies things just so you can have the experience of going to a college meeting other people traveling um budgeting having to find a job getting sacked getting heartbroken um, having friends abandon you trying to find new friends all these sort of interesting things will go a long way into informing your content and giving you a different perspective and view on things so that you'll be a far more compelling people person sorry that people can follow that's just my way of looking at it um again what do i know it continues here's the thing though in the debate as it exists in the real world i think a really um truncheon question for the kids who forego college is this what will you do instead how will you spend those four plus years of your life if not in school which is a very important question if you're a kid growing up now what you want to do because it's all well and good being a content creation guy but being a content creation guy at home not working, living with your parents, giving them stress, you know, eating all their food, using up all their electricity, and just being a fucking nuisance, especially in your mid-20s or fucking late 20s or early 30s, that's a little bit much. You have to kind of be aware and cognitive of the pressure and the expectation your parents or society have on you in that regard. So you have to kind of give yourself every advantage that you can. So in those four years that you're not working or that you're not doing conventional education, maybe getting a part-time job, maybe doing a vocational thing, maybe even helping out in a soup kitchen, all these tiny things could actually go a long way into giving you some form of like social credit and also getting your fucking guardians or parents off your back. It's actually really important because if, if not, it's going to be really hard for you to be creative, for you to be expressive and be free knowing that you have that weight on the back of your head that people are thinking that you're lazy you're not doing anything you're helping out in the house you're being you're wasting your life um disappointing people all these type of things are not the way to go so you have to actually be quite you, if you actually are going to do the whole i'm going to put all my eggs in the basket of like not going to college you actually have to plan it out a lot further out than whether you would then if you had gone to college you know what i mean you have to spec that all out year by year whereas when you go to college it's sort of like autopilot they kind of take you on the route every year is uh, throws up different challenges but as long as you pass and you turn up or you turn up and you pass most likely you're going to just keep churning on churning on but if you have to actually stay out of college you're gonna have to figure out what you're going to be doing day by day for those next four years and that's a lot of time that's a lot of idle time and most likely you're not going to use it to your advantage you know you're not going to you're not going to use it to the extent that you need to use it most likely that's going to happen but anyway continues here unfortunately this question usually either um not really um confronted or answered in a in a bullshit way when this topic is debated there is an assumption that people will save and make money but not a lot of discussion on how and what they'll give up in doing so there's also a lot of vague hand washing or sorry hand waving about how they'll pursue other kinds of enrichment um without the sense of associated costs you hear from things from young people rejecting college like i'll do my art I'll do, I'll travel the world, which should immediately prompt the question with whose money? 
You can't just bum around for five or four or five years doing art unless you have some sort of bullshit job you hate that makes too much time, which more people, um, which for most people defeats the purpose. Unless you have a rich parent who will subsidize you, in which case then cool. Yeah, don't go to college if you don't want to. Um, you'll be fine regardless. But that's not most people. Traveling in less than accessible, sorry, traveling is even less accessible if you don't have rich parents. I guess you could do it by loading up a credit card debt but going into a lot of debt was the very thing we were all trying to avoid right at some point you have to square the economic decision not to attend college with the unromantic reality of life living at home or in a lower wage employment exactly and that's the actual reality of it because again unless you have parents that can subsidize you then fair enough do what you need to do but if you're a regular schmegular person whose parents can't subsidize your living you know your lifestyle and you don't want to put them in a position to do so in the first place whatever it may be and you want to be independent and do your own thing you really need to kind of think it through of not going to college because the aspect the other side of things is that most likely if you drop out your employment options aren't going to be that great so you're going to have to get a low paying job in the first place to pay bills or to kind of subsidize support your lifestyle the only other option will be i think if you want to do the art creative way will be to move somewhere where the cost of living is relatively cheap and that's what basically people were doing when the whole berlin thing was happening right and that's probably when i kind of missed the wave to go there but even though when i did eventually start visiting berlin quite often i quickly realized that although i love the city and then I love everything about it. I don't exactly want to live there. It would be some place where I'd love to have like a home there. Eventually, I will eventually probably have an apartment there where I can go and kind of like, you know, rent it out or whatever. And then probably um, stay there whenever I'm visiting. But in terms of living there year round, it's just not for me. But one of the benefits of living in a place like Berlin and a place like that, where it's kind of like, you know, the cost of living is fairly low, is that because the cost of living is fairly low, it puts less pressure on you having to make money to survive, which then means there's pre there's less pressure on you in terms of the art that you make. So you can be a little bit more free to experiment, to try new things. And most likely, when you're having fun, when you're not putting any undue expectation on the work that you're doing, then it will most likely flourish. So in a weird way, your art would actually benefit and blossom from you going to a place where you maybe live like quote-unquote like a rat so that then your artwork can flourish with you know no expectation or whatever it may be and then you can kind of go on from there it's a really strange way to go about things but unfortunately if you live in the uk that option isn't really open for you especially since brexit but if obviously if you're mainland europe you still have the option to do so but if you're here you most likely have maybe the option of maybe going to like another town in the uk if you're living in london and going somewhere where maybe it's fairly cheaper to live maybe a manchester or leeds uh birmingham wherever it may be liverpool all those places maybe are better options to go to so that at least you have the option to pursue your art but then you could also live working part-time in tesco so you don't have to you know be here in london working an actual full-time job that's legitimately killing your soul and giving you no encouragement to get you know in front of a bit of paper and draw for the evening once you finish work because that's a big thing that happens too because once you're young you don't realize it because you have you know you have like an untapped amount of fucking energy but sometimes work life can actually drain that out of you to the point where the last thing you want to do when you get home is work on your own personal project which can be really depressing to be fair so i think the conclusion for me is if you're a kid and you want and you're debating dropping out don't just because everybody else is doing it i feel like you should try to at least pursue that first year of studies to see how it's going and also do the content or whatever you're doing on the side um, at the same time why not you have the time to do so um you might have to give up some friends you might have to give up going to festivals and going out as much but i feel like those two things in tandem could actually help you and make you a far better 
um, candidate for future things going forward, in my personal opinion. But again, it all depends on how you view it. It really does all depend on how you view it. Moving on, this is kind of just a light topic to talk about because I just recently saw this on my timeline. Glorilla um, is having a bit of a spat with Kai Sina for some reason. And for me, it kind of speaks to why music criticism or criticism in general is really at a down is, is at an all-time low and why maybe that might be the reason why art itself is at an all-time low and isn't really inspiring people especially when it comes to hip-hop music right the stuff that's coming out nowadays isn't that great there's obviously a stat that was came out recently with billboard about um there's not being a number one for a very very long time i think only until recently in terms of albums from the hip-hop genre and shit and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that for whatever reason artists nowadays are incredibly sensitive like incredibly sensitive um there is the sensitivity you need as an artist to tap into so that it can kind of inform your work but the sensitivity that i'm talking about is an inability to absorb to allow to be okay with people not being that amped on the stuff that you do for whatever reason they could just be trolling they could have a general a genuine reason why they don't like what you make but for some reason artists nowadays just don't want to hear it unless you're a complete fanboy they think anything else other than that is somebody hating on them is somebody not wanting them to win blah 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 and at least in this weird situations where most artists it doesn't matter who they are have a kanye level ring of yes men and enablers around them that's something i realized when i watched that kanye documentary that leaked recently that as much as kanye is in the wrong for some of the things that he's done over the years you can't help but notice that he has an incredible amount of people around him who don't ever really call him out on the shit that he does because he's fucking kanye west so he's able to kind of quote unquote get away with saying some nonsense by the time he comes out to the public he thinks he's in a right because no one's ever pulled him up on it and then he's shocked by people's response because the general public don't you know aren't beholden to him you're not we're not his close friends so we don't really owe him that whatever that kind of turning a blind eye thing so he's kind of seemingly shocked but obviously it kind of doesn't help him in general because it kind of turns you into like a weird character where you're unable to sort of receive any level of criticism and this guy really think is a really good example of it because if i remember correctly kai Sina, um a really famous um streamer nowadays i think he's exclusively on rumble um but he's also part of that amp crew of kids as well that does streaming online he was streaming online and from time to time he will review live music or albums that drop and he was listening to the no he's listening to um Gloria's new single it was like a drill record that she was doing when she filmed it in new york and she's doing you know she's doing lots of sturdy dance and stuff it just sounded really dated and really terrible and he didn't like the song and a lot of people didn't like the song because the song hasn't really performed as well as i'm sure, I'm sure Gloria would have helped and the response that he had to it was fairly tame i thought compared to what people were saying online about Glorilla, especially when you consider the rise of sexy red people comparing Glorilla and Sexy Red and saying Glorilla kind of fell off and Sexy Red replaced Glorilla and Glorilla, Sexy Red is not doing what Glorilla wanted, blah, blah, blah. All this sort of debate started around that sort of time because Glorilla hasn't been able to kind of, you know, maintain that consistency or that kind of quality music that she did when she kind of first into, burst into the industry and it's kind of looked like she's already lost. So that response people had to the single was quite universal. I thought the response on social media was way harsher than what Kai Sinat said. Well, Kai Sinat responded to it online on live stream 
him basically making some faces, making some sounds and stuff that he didn't like the album. And then randomly, he was on live stream again, Kai seen that recently. And I guess he was trying to search up Glorilla or do something or ask her something. And then he went to her profile and he realized that he, she was blocked because he couldn't find her profile. I was like, oh my God, she blocked me. And it made me just think like, man, this is so pathetic. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't like your song. It's not like he doesn't like you as a person. And all of a sudden, he's an op. It's like, it's crazy. Anyway, let's read the article courtesy of Complex. Um, it says, Kai Sinat recently made the revelation that Glorilla blocked him on Instagram. He was streaming live on Twitch, um, channel when he was searches, would search her name on IG and realized she could no longer access her page. Now Glow has seemingly responded, um, to the streamer in an IG live. She said in the IG live, don't come on my fucking live asking me about anybody that I done blocked. They, they blocked and they gone stay there. You made your bed. You got to lay there. We, he know why he blocked. And it's like, make your bed, lay there, because I've had a criticism of your music and I didn't think it was great. Or I didn't think it kind of matched up to your maybe earlier stuff that you put out, or it just does wasn't for my taste. And all of a sudden, I've made my bed lay in it. It's such a bizarre place to come to because it's almost as if like, they don't want to have, they don't want to sort of like convince, no, they don't want to sort of like, um, ever have a situation where a fan may not like their single voice their concerns about why they don't like it and then later on down the line Glorilla puts out another single that's far better that other people that the same people that hate the the previous one like now and then now she's kind of kind of converted and back again to being fans that's not an option basically it's either you're a fan now until until the end of time or you're an op which is such an immature way to approach things but again it also may speak to why music criticism is in the toilet and doesn't exist and if it does exist it centers around numbers that academics does right first week sales and all this nonsense that doesn't really actually speak to the craft and the art of the music itself and because of that i feel like that concentration or that kind of obsession with numbers that's probably why the quality of music is so shit so you've got artists who are incapable of receiving any level of negative criticism you have music critics who feel as if like you know constructive well-meaning in-depth music criticism is not really something people care about they're here for the drama so they refuse to cover that sort of shit and they just talk about first week sales they talk about the drama surrounding the album drop but very rarely are they talking about the quality of the actual music like is the music good or not a good example being offset's new album that just dropped i listened to it it's fairly decent if anything, it's a lot better than I expected it to be from him because once he got kind of, you know, he fell out with Amigos before Takeoff passed away and he kind of got kind of, you know, chucked out of the group and then dropped from the QC label, it sort of felt like he was going nowhere. So it kind of is a bit of surprise and is pleasantly surprising he was able to put such a decent project out. Again, is it the best thing in Sunshine Spread? No, but it's a lot better than I expected it to be. But the album is good, really, really good. Great. There's some great um, songs on it. There's some great bars great choruses great production um i think he skates over most of them the features are really well are, are fairly well done and picked but because of the drama surrounding his wife cardi b and everything that she gets up to and maybe some of the drama considering him as well it sort of overshadowed the quality of the music no one's talking about it anymore so it's all about the other you know external shit that doesn't really influence the music because i've always said even if there are people out there who think oh i'm not going to support offset because i'm not a fan of cardi b I've always maintained when it comes to music, if the music is good, people will make excuses for it. You saw it happening with, um, uh, what's, what's her name called? I forgot the guy, the, the lady's name. I think she's an R&B singer, right? Claudia something, who was involved in some sort of racial scandal thing. And people basically stopped caring about it because the music was just too good to ignore. Simple as that, right? Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, 
Cla- is it Claudia? Is it Claudia something? I forgot her name. But anyway, you, I, I think some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But as long as, and I guess another example is, is flipping Daniel Caesar. Daniel Caesar went for a little bit of a cancellation period too, but the music was undeniable. And in the end, people kind of got over whatever happened with him and Yes Jules and that whole kind of, you know, colorism thing, whatever it may be. So I feel like with Glorilla, Yes, some of the singles have been underwhelming. Yes, some of them haven't really matched up to the earlier success of the stuff that she did previously. But really and truly, it's all in her it's all in her own hands. If she decided tomorrow, you know, no pun intended, to you know, hanker down and actually put together a song that's on par with the stuff that she put on before, you know, like FNN, Tomorrow Two and shit, she could do it. And I'm sure it would work out and people would be big fans of it. But at the moment now, the songs aren't great. They're not good. And most like, and I think for the betterment of her career as an artist, it's probably for the best that fans and random people online actually say, hey, this stuff isn't good. So that she can maybe go back to the drawing board, go back to the studio, perfect her craft, hone her craft, and come back with something a little bit more harder. That's what you'd hope should happen. But again, you know, what do I know? What do I know? Moving on from that, we need to talk about this. This has quite been an interesting controversy happening on the sneakers space, especially on Twitter. Something that I've only recently discovered of of recent years and stuff because of the, you know, forums essentially dying and there'd be no other place to sort of discuss sneakers in a somewhat, you know, sensible manner uh, outside of Reddit, which I think Reddit isn't really the best space for it either. There's a few, there's too many donuts on there. Um, But I really do miss places like Crooked Tongues um, to kind of discuss sneakers and shit. So I'm happy to replace it with Twitter. And unfortunately, Twitter is mostly US or the people that I follow are mostly in, in America. And I feel like the American sneakerheads on Twitter are so corny, so cringy. It's kind of really hard to kind of get into the weeds of some of the stuff they're talking about. But hey, make do with what's available. So the thing I'm talking about is the cactus plant flower, the cactus plant flea market and um, air flea twos that came out recently. I covered them already on the on the pod. I've spoken about how much I love them. They've dropped already in the US. I'm not too sure when they're going to drop here in the UK. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the retail in the US was around $220, and it's nice to see that the price of them now, as as I'm checking them um, StockX now, the last sale um, of a pair was £288. Um, so you can already see that the resale on these hasn't been as great as some of the resellers probably would have hoped it would have been. So if I want a pair in my size, I could actually get them for a decent enough price. Like a US 11 here um, is listed at £347, which isn't too bad when you consider that a retail in the UK will probably be about what the retail was in the US, maybe 220 maybe 250 um depending so it's not that bad um when it comes to the pricing but the interesting thing about the cactus plant um flea market air flea twos isn't the pricing on StockX has been the controversy surrounding the sizing so if you type in flea two sizing on twitter or any other social media space you use i'm sure you'll see a bunch of people talking about the issues they have with sizing one guy here um on the twitter search i've got here from um, twitter that says i watched five videos of the cactus plant flea market flea two and they all said something different about the sizing do we actually know what our real shoe size is to even judge these shoes some say too big some say too small some say true to size so the basic issue going on is that for some reason early pairs of the air fleet 2 were sized incorrectly according to what's going on online so people were buying 
early pairs of the their Flea 2 before they dropped, before they were released. And they were buying, let's say, a size 11, a US 11, and they were matching it up to a US 11 Air Force or whatever shoe they have in their collection. And they were noticing that the US 11 and the Flea 2s was way bigger in terms of length, long, wide, whatever, than their Air Force One in the exact same size. So maybe people will start thinking, like, what's going on with the sizing? Do you have to size down? Then there were stories of people essentially buying the Air Fleet 2s and having to size two whole sizes down to make them fit. Two whole sizes to make them fit. So if you were like a US 11, you have to buy like a, what, like a US 9 or something to make these fucking work for you, which is absolutely crazy. Um, but there's another theory going around here. And this theory is courtesy of the one and only Sock Jig. So big up Sock Jig. Got one of the best sneaker podcasts out there, um, you know, that's ever fucking existed. So definitely check out um, Sock Jig Sneaker Podcast if you're a fan of sneaker podcasts that aren't the cringy, corny, complex nonsense. But he made a really interesting point the other day. He said... Um, regarding the cactus plant flea market flea two sizing thing, I can't find any logical explanation for it. So I just assumed those pairs were fake. Allegedly, I honestly don't care enough to start a war about it, just to post memes about it. I don't know where they came from or who was the source. Maybe the rail car with fakes was raided instead of the rail car with retail pairs. So there's a whole entire world now that exists, which I'm discovering now of these sort of like sneaker reseller type people online one of them being that master chef guy people are alleging we used to sell fakes in the background who somehow have a connection with the factories in china and they're able to get early samples of hyped shoes made or delivered to them before they even dropped retail so what happens with that is that it causes confusion because if you're not familiar with how sneakers come out in the past anyway with fakes what would originally come out with fakes would be like if like a Travis Scott Jordan came out the fakes of them would come out far later so what you do if you're waiting to make sure you bought legit pair was to make sure you bought your pair legitimately through obviously Nike sneakers app if you could or try your best to buy them within the first couple of days of them dropping because all the shoes in circulation at that time would most likely be real and you could obviously be calm and be you know rest easy in the fact that you bought a real pair but nowadays because the fake market and the replica market is so big now in part due to nike and their inability to just give people what they want because i feel like this kind of artificial scarcity this inability to just make more shoes for people in satisfied demand has weirdly enough created a secondary market of fakes that exist so now people are proactively getting or bugging factories or working out plans of factories. i've seen people do this even with certain levels of jordans and working out agreements where they can get the factories to make stuff ahead of time before it drops retail so people can get it and maybe you know do some quality control and you know fine tune some details that they're not really fond of or what things that they want to kind of add to it or just get their hands on them early so the one that happening if you get your hands on those fakes early before the retails drop you can then flood the market with some fakes that can get mixed up with the real and it's harder to spot and that stuff can end up on StockX. people can make a good lick and then kind of ride off into the sunset and of course the customers themselves are the one that worry but when it comes to these flea twos it seems like the unique nature in which these shoes were made right the fact that they're a little bit you know all over the place in terms of design and shit has weirdly enough led to this weird sizing issue because if you look at the shoe itself you're not looking at it here but essentially what it has it has this really strange um kind of outsole where it's really big it's much bigger than the actual shoe 
um, footbed. So it kind of reminds me a little bit recently of a shoe that dropped um, the Balenciaga. I think, I think it's a Tyrex boot, right? It's a Balenciaga sneaker that looks like it's, a, it's got like a tire wrapped around it. And if you actually look at the shoe footbed, if you're actually looking down um, as you're wearing the shoe, you'll notice that the actual rubberized side of it where the tire is, is a lot more thicker and, and protruding on the outside of the actual shoe itself. So it can actually look a bit bigger than what it is. Again, similar to the Triple S where the sole's really large and the actual footbed itself of the shoe is fairly small. And if you actually look at the Triple S actually, if you actually look at it from the side profile, you'll notice that it's a bit more of a triangle shape. So all of this is the, the bottom bit is where the triple soles are and then the top bit is where the actual sneak itself is. So it gives this weird illusion. So for some reason, I guess, the rep factory might have got thrown off by the weird shape of these flea twos and how they've got this really um you know pronounced exaggerated over you know ex you know over whatever fucking rubberized outsole that goes into a shoe so maybe when they were making the reps they incorrectly made them the wrong size or when they got the samples made they only had a really big size to kind of go off of. And that maybe fucked up the sizing when they eventually put it, which has happened before. I've seen people complain about rep sizing all the time. So I guess it is a bit of an issue sometimes. It can happen from time to time. So I think that might have been an issue that occurred. But this is an interesting problem that we're having now, right? Where we're having these guys and girls who kind of credit themselves on selling very rare and expensive, very rare limited edition shoes for incredible, incredible amounts of money. And usually they are bona fide guarantees in terms of getting real stuff because they usually deal with like, you know, pigeon dunks and flom dunks and what the dunks, all this sort of like high level fucking big boy sneaker shit that it would make no sense why they'd be trying to sell or resell fakes of like $300 sneakers where they can make so much on the other stuff. But if you think about it again, there are probably way more people able to spend $300 than they are going to be able to spend a thousand, 20,000, 30,000, whatever hype shit he's got. So it does make a lot more sense. But let's play some videos so I can show you what the current vibe is saying with a lot of these people when it comes to um, putting out this sort of like fake narrative that these shoes are made weird and that's why you have to size or size down two sizes or whatever. So I'm not too sure where I stand on it, but the more evidence I've seen, the more I'm starting to believe that most likely you can get them true to size. You don't have to, you know, if you're a size length, you don't have to get a nine, but they are maybe come up a bit roomier um, and they obviously sometimes look a little bit more gargantuan when you put them on your actual foot because of the whole, you know, exaggerated nature of the shoe design. So let's actually see one clip here, courtesy of Marta Chef, which is uh, titled The Flea Sizing Update, Still Big As Hell. Let's see what he's saying here because I feel like this debate is going to wrangle on and on and on and on and on. All right, this is a 10 and a half, guys. Box pair now, 10 and a half. Scott, what size do you have on foot? Uh, I have a size eight and I wear a size nine and a half. All right. So I actually wear nine and a half, 10. Right. This is a 10 and a half, y'all. See my other shoe? This is a 13. For everybody that's saying these run true to size, this is a 10 and a half, 13. Eight. Eight. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. All right. This is on my foot. My toe is right here. Ten and a half. Look, I'm going to take this shoe off now. Take the shoe off. This is a ten and a half. All right. This is an 11. I'm about to bust this open. This is a size 11 dunk. So size 11 dunk. I can't even get my foot in it. Mm -hmm. Size 11 dunk. 10 and a half, 
Size 13. <laughs> Eight? Nine and a half, but I wear a 10 as well. So so I don't know who to believe. I really don't know who to believe in this respect, but I'm starting to lean more to the side of what Sockjig is saying in terms of maybe some of these reseller guys are dabbling in the dark arts of fucking reps, but maybe it's getting so crazy now where technically they're not reps. They're sort of like early samples because something that's really kind of thrown me off is the fact that Nike haven't come out and cleared up anything. So likely this is not an issue on Nike's end and most likely all the legit pairs, all the pairs that they're selling through their official retail partners or accounts, whatever it may be, they've not really had an issue. But I think these consortium concession type of flight club-esque reseller type that guys they're the ones that are having more issues than regular people so let's see another video here courtesy of master chef titled testing and let's see what else he's saying here regarding this sort of stuff and again i'm not really too sure where i stand on this stuff but it's fascinating to kind of watch this ball play out in real time you wear a lot of sbs wear a lot of sbs what size do you wear in sbs uh nine and a half ten how does that fit right off that kind of just slipped on honestly no sliding around okay yeah there's probably like they have to be worn with a swoosh, by the way. There's a kid wearing them, obviously testing them around, seeing what they look like. But they have to be worn with that swoosh. And I love how cartoony the swoosh is too. How it's sort of like janky, almost wobbly looking. I actually love that. A little bit more. Just so that you know, that's a size nine, and you're a true size ten. D threes are ten. 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 Okay. Oh yeah, this is it. Now off the rip, how's that feel? Tighten down. Yeah, lock it down. My toe's right at the top. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's you. That was a nine. So that was a full size down. That's crazy. I'm gonna true eleven and a half. Okay. You're a true eleven and a half. This feels like an eleven and a half. Is that what you would get? This is the size. This would get? be that. This would be the size I wanted. Now I know. Okay. Now Hold I on. know I need a. I'm not telling you yet because now you're. Why do all U.S. sneakerheads they have this archetype that exists? This like obese fucking sneakerhead guy they, they all exist I've, i think the other one is like mr what's that that major guy from new york that always buys air force ones and shit and thinks he's some sort of trap god with it there's this persona this personality of person where they're just incredibly fat but they're into fucking sneakers and shit what's the point they look all they all look terrible on you you look like your their your feet are about to fucking explode through the fucking lever and a suede what's the point of looking this size or being this size and also, you know, owning some of these most coveted, beautiful sneakers in, you know, in sneaker fucking history. You're better off dropping 10 pounds and wearing a couple of Payless shoes, I would reckon. But again, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. You're about to try the next okay. one. Want to try the next one? Yeah. All right, let's do it. I already see your foot. I'm wobbling about. Are you wobbling about? Yeah. Like you wouldn't you wanna prefer that to be in the size you want No, I, w- I would not want this. You'd ask okay. the size That's an 11 and a half. This is an 11 and a half? The shoe you just tried on is 10 and a half. The one before. Isn't that crazy? Really? Yes. So the internet, Twitter, yeah. is telling us that these fit true to size. This is not not true to size. It's a lie. You heard it here first. So it's a lie. You heard it here first. It's not fit true to size. But it's this other guy who said they do fit true to size, who I'm going to show you here, which is this one here called um, Don't Believe the Hype. Um, the CPFM sizing is correct. So I don't know who to believe, really. My mind's all over the place. But so far, I've seen a couple people on my Twitter as well who I replied to who basically said it fits true to size. If anything, they maybe size down half a size. But the whole idea behind sizing two whole sizes is completely incorrect. So let's see this video too from this guy here. These shoes. So let's see how they fit. Problem is, is that these look like they'd be huge. Like these are a size not my true size. They look like they're going to be giant. They're actually... I'd say true to size. I really thought they'd be way bigger. Are they comfy? They're not bad. If you're grabbing these, I'd say go true to size. It seems like that is exactly what they fit like. 
They look very, very marmite on feet, don't they? It's a very unique type of shoe to kind of be into. So I'm not surprised. Maybe that's why that might play into the fact that the retail, um, sorry, the resale price isn't as crazy probably as it should be. Because as as a cactus plant flea market Nike collab goes, they're going, I like how every shoe they're getting progressively more weirder, right? They're going into the more eclectic, kitschy type of vibe of things. So they're kind of challenging the, the, the wearer and the buyer of their shoes more than beforehand. Because these are way harder to wear than anything else they've probably put out before. Let's continue. I thought they were going to fit like three sizes too small, too big. I thought if you grabbed a size nine, it would fit like a size ten and a half. That's what mm. I was thinking, but it doesn't fit like that at all. It fits like a size nine. I'm really impressed. And it's not crazy uncomfortable. Okay, that, that's one person's review. And then the last one is this person also called Release Expert that kind of went to clarify some things regarding it as well. So at the moment, I'm leaning towards Sockjig's theory that a lot of these rep, rep, sorry, a lot of these resellers are selling reps and pretending like they're not selling reps because they're in this weird sort of like gray area where they're getting direct stuff from factories before it drops. Or, or maybe there's a whole new world that kind of revolves around plan, I'm sorry, plan B's, um, uh, around a tier, what they're called? B B class B grade shoes. Back in the day when we were when I was buying shoes, there was a there was a range called B grades. Well, not range, but basically where if the factory made a shoe and they made a mistake with them, that's that's what a B grade was. So maybe they did the wrong stitch or they put a wrong color on the upper or whatever it may be. So some of those shoes will sometimes flood the market as well. Um, so maybe that is what's happening now. The early stages of sampling. These guys are maybe stepping in and getting those pairs early from the Nike factory, then getting them repped. So essentially it's made from like a real thing and then they're kind of trying to sell them that way. So maybe that's why technically in their head they're thinking they don't have to divulge it because it's technically a real thing. I don't really know, but it's definitely something dodgy going on here. But anyway, let's see Reese Expert basically clear up the whole issue with these shoes and hopefully now this puts the whole issue to bed. You'd hope so. For everybody that's saying these run true to size, this is a 10 and a half, 13, 8, Eight. Nine and a half. Nine and a half, all right? Ten. This is on my foot. My toe is right here. Okay, he's pulling them out. Size comparison with the US 11700 so V2. These CTFMs cool. really remind me of the Balenciaga triple S's. Where the oh, you see? That's what I said earlier about the triple S's, see? There we go. The outsole. And the sole of the shoe is extremely large, larger than the actual base of the shoe. Uh -huh. Now, in this case, when I tried them on, it honestly fit pretty true to size. Uh -huh. I know it looks pretty big on my foot, and it's because that outsole extends further out than the actual shoe. Exactly. So the, the the probably shoe itself, the footbed, is probably somewhere around here. It probably stops around somewhere here, and it stops around somewhere out here too. But all of this other stuff is just the extra you know, material and bits and bobs that kind of have make it have this exaggerated, almost bulbous look. But the actual footbed is somewhat smaller. It's obviously true to size, clearly. True, but trying them on, you can see that's where my toe is. I have no space in my heel. But yeah, definitely a shoe that's true to size. Uh, you heard it here first, but what do you guys think about this shoe? Let me know in the comment section below. Is this a so yeah, a lot of controversy going on around that cactus plant flea market shoe. Um, I can't wait to get it when it does officially does drop in the UK. The flea two is available now at StockX and other resale platforms. But be careful where you're purchasing it from because it looks like there's already reps already out there. And the bad thing 
I hate about this sort of like scene at the moment with sneakers isn't that people are selling reps buy what you want wear what you want it's more so the the fucking people who are purposely going out of their way to trick people into thinking they're buying the real thing when they're not if you're selling reps say you're selling a rep but don't trick people I think that's fucking disgusting personally in my opinion but again what do I know moving on we've got this story courtesy of Vogue regarding Kylie Jenner finally launching her own clothing line which may explain why she's been all over the fashion weeks you know i feel like in the last couple of seasons or something or maybe even more she's been attending way more fashion weeks especially traveling to europe to paris and shit to do that sort of stuff which she probably never did in the past so it's clear that maybe i thought it was more so oh i'm being an ambassador and i'm ramping up my presence there but i guess the whole point of it was to kind of you know solidify and put some final touches on her collection maybe do already some you know selling and um or buying appointments over there because a lot of the people do that stuff when they're over there at fashion week and shit but it's very interesting to see what the clothing will end up looking like because her style has sort of like evolved a lot in the last 18 months she's kind of toned down her style a lot more it's a lot more mature um there's less going on and shit so i'm curious to see what type of aesthetic she goes for with her clothing is it going to be you know more so trapeletti type of vibes will it be more margella um will it be more like you know vintage louis vuitton mark jacobs vibes like what sort of vibe is she type of going for when it comes to her own sort of clothes so let's see what it comes and evolves it so obviously we've got an image here with a sneak peek of what we might see some red heels in this leather trench let's read the article courtesy of vogue itself it says kylie jenner has officially announced that she is launching a clothing line by simply captioning a photo meek high the reality TV star and beauty mogul posted an Instagram of herself wearing the leather trench fresh from the new collection. The label's just launched site revealed a closer look at the design, a sleek black coat featuring a high collar, cinch waist and oversized shoulders. Coming soon, the caption reads, sign up at khy.com. As of now, users can sign up for early access to the collection at a website, though no official release date has been announced. It's not surprising Jenner is launching a clothing venture, considering that most of her sisters have already have a fashion business kim kardashian has a shapewear skims chloe has denim brand good american and pucks lauren schumann are reported in july that jenna was working with emma and jean gerd who worked with both chloe and kim and chris on their business um on the fashion line sherman wrote that the idea was not to be a sheen the controversial widely popular chinese fast fashion outfit but to offer something better reasonably sourced less junky less nicer looking girds did not um that didn't the girds don't do bargain basements so the idea i guess is to maybe do a uh more luxe version of sheen essentially like a higher grade level of sheen so it'll probably be the same stuff that we saw her wear i remember what was that really cute outfit she wore once i think during um when she went to aspen she was wearing this amazing bucket hat with this like leather jacket dress combo i think it might have been like vintage louis vuitton or something it was fucking incredible um i was surprised not i didn't see many um sheen level type sites copycat that look because that look was really great and i think it suit a lot of girls in terms of the shape as well and it kind of accentuate all the good parts that most girls would probably want to show off so maybe we'll see a lot more of that stuff so we'll see a lot of long leather skirt dress type things loads of big boots loads of big hats fur hats um loads of cozy oversized type of clothing um with a with a kind of sprinkling of chic sexiness 
that people can kind of vibe with as well to kind of, you know, mix it up and kind of be on brand with what Kylie does. Obviously, you've got the picture here of her giving us her back with the um, exaggerated shoulder leather trench, which is kind of a bit Balenciaga, a little bit Vetement coded, right? A little bit Marc Jacobs coded and shit. Um, maybe a little bit Mugler coded as well. But I do like the look of it as well. So regardless, it continues. Jenna's no stranger to running a business. Let's not forget Kylie Cosmetics was launched in 2014 and propelled a TV star to a business status. It's not even her first fashion brand. Back in 2012, Kylie and sister Jenna um, started their 20-friendly label, Kendall and Kylie, though these days have become a PacSun sub-brand. Based on the first impressions alone, it appears Kai will have a polished, um, what's it, have a polished um, luxurious feel, reminiscent of clothes from Balenciaga or Protega Veneta. Still, it's very early to um, tell quite the question is going to be blah, 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 blah. So, Kylie's coming into the clothing sector of things. Um, some people are worried it's just going to be another fast fashion type of appeal or thing. Most likely it will be, but fast fashion isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, it just is what it is. So, either you get in line and you get in motion or you just get out of the fucking way, really. It just kind of is what it is. I'm more curious to see what kind of aesthetic, what sort of design she's basically going to go for, what the price point's going to be, what type of retailers, um, what the casting is going to be like, the model shoots, the campaign. I want to see all that good stuff and that kind of vibe because that will kind of inform us a lot on is this just another cash grab? Is she, is she trying to do this as a way to kind of put something out there, scale it and then sell it? Or is this going to be like something that she sort of does, you know, um, for a very, very long time quietly and just kind of lets it kind of churn along without too much fanfare and it just kind of sells, you know, season in, season out because it's just got some good bait. Because that could be a good idea. It could just be like a really good basics alternative like you know whereas okay i need some basics in my wardrobe stuff that i know fits well from a brand i trust make my own brand staples in my wardrobe like every girl needs a long black leather coat every girl needs a pencil skirt a particular knits jumper a particular hoodie shape a particular bag whatever it may be so maybe that might be the case maybe it might be a a sort of luxury essentials type of line type of thing so let's see what happens when it does eventually launch but so far so good i'm liking the look of it and i can't wait to see what happens when it does officially launch and we get a better idea on what it all actually ends up looking like then of course we need to talk about the news that kind of blew up my part of the timeline has to be stone island and supreme collabo has been finally released we've finally seen what it actually is going to look like and oh my god it's pure gas pure unadulterated um unsynthesized no cure known to man gas it looks so fucking good so um the blurb says supreme and stone island supreme has worked with stone island on a new collection for the fall 2023 made exclusively for supreme um the collection consists of a cowhide leather bomber jacket reversible down puffer jacket cotton ball trucker hats five pocket jean jackets blah 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 and it's all going to be available on the 26th of october and available in japan and seoul on the 28th the stuff itself might be up there with some of their better storyline collections. Um, the things that I kind of think of straight away is the one with the floral design with the flowers on it. The other one I think might be the one where it's sort of like a crunchier fabric of the jacket. But this might be one of their best collections. And the thing that I like is the best because even stuff like this jacket features in the opening image here where it's got Stone Island Supreme written on it with a Stone Island badge I would usually be opposed to jacket because it's too logo-y it's too brandy but even I'm a big fan of this even I would wear the fuck out of this fucking jacket like that jacket is so hard look at that the front of it in it olive 
in that kind of green olive color that Stone Island are kind of known for with the badge on the side here, matching hat and shit. Like, oh, it looks so good, mate. So good. Um, again, you got the same jacket there. I liked in the front. Okay, cool. It's another jacket. So I guess this is another jacket, um, with the logo in the back and the Supreme written in a tonal with a Stone Island there as well. And then you got it in the same sort of thing. And it's kind of, it's almost like a nautica type of theme in it and the actual color placement and the, and the design you've got product produced by stone island and you've got the washing symbols on the front there and you've got to see the logo supreme written on the back you've also got a nice hat as well that's got a foldable lens type of thing you've got this great leather jacket that looks fucking amazing i love the wash on a leather jacket you've got this almost 3m crinkle design on this jean suit that looks fucking banging it all looks so good. Got a good hoodie, got a good cardigan, long sleeve. Like, it all looks so great. Leather bomber jacket is pretty decent um, with the detachable hood on it. Not really my taste, to be completely honest, but I, I, I don't mind it. But this is probably my favorite here. Um, what's it called? This is the reversible down puffer jacket. Like, this just looks like pure unadulterated gas. Like, come on, man. Look at this shit. That is so good. It's probably gonna. It's probably gonna be like a couple of grand, though. That's the only problem, right? It's gonna be probably like a thousand, maybe more. Does it come with the puffer jacket on the inside? I'm not sure if that's two jackets. Maybe it is. Maybe this jacket here, when you open it, there's another jacket on the inside, or is that another jacket? I'm not too sure. I think it might be another jacket, probably. Yeah, I'll make, yeah, it's an inside. See, it comes in the black as well, and that white. Oh. So I guess it's got like an inside lining on it. So that outer shell is this, and the inside lining is that sort of thing so fucking good and i like how this the, the zip itself um it's kind of off center on the lining on the inside right it's kind of been you know scooted over to that side and you've got these great big pockets here in the front as well and of course the iconic stone island badge on the left hand sleeve um it continues here you've got this great denim jacket which is made out of what like is that 3M or something? I'm not too sure what the material is, but it kind of brings up a lot of flashing images when you kind of absorb it to the flash there. And then continuing on, you've got some great denim pieces also. The cardigan I'm fond of as well. I'm not going to lie. That looks really awesome. I like the look at the cardigan. not going to front on that one. The cardigan looks brilliant. And then you've got the Supreme um, Spider type of um, hoodie as well. It looks really nice as well. I like the washing it on this sort of sweat pattern. It looks great, as does this long sleeve top as well from them. Is that like a fake long sleeve or is that like a real one? Has that been painted on? I'm not too sure. But either way, I'm messing with it. I like the way it looks. It looks fucking brilliant, as does the hats. But yeah, this might be one of the better Supreme Starliner collaborations I've seen in a very, very, very long time. So big up Supreme and Starliner putting this together because this is absolutely gas. I'm sure it's going to fly out the shelves when it does eventually drop. I'm sure it's going to fly out the shelves when it does eventually drop okay that has been it of the accident zinger show episode number seven one nine i think thank you so much for tuning in for the pleasure of your company if you enjoyed the show please make sure you click the like down below if you're watching this via live stream if you're watching it or listen to it via the podcast app please just leave me a five-star review that's all that i ask and of course share it if you can also but for those of you watching i'm going to leave you now if you're listening to the audio pod you'll hear my tune of the day if you can't hear the tune of the day jump onto the audio pod at the start of the fucking pod like it subscribe it share it with your friends and let people know that i'm here but thank you for tuning in always been a pleasure never a chore I'll see you guys again very soon.
Some shelter, just running around. 